Des, do you remember when you used to sit by the radio all day waiting for your favorite song and when it came out, you would push record and record it onto a cassette? Just about, because I was born at the tail end of that century. Yeah, okay, we're the same age, (laughs) so yes. (laughs) Keep this in mind for what we're going to talk about later. But first things first, what are you drinking? I've gone back to the continent, and that's the only continent that matters, i.e. Europe. And this comes from the home of beer. It's from, I had to look, I had to Google this because I didn't know where it was from. All it says is brewed in the Pfalz. And I was like, where the hell is that? And apparently it's a region in southwestern Germany. So I don't know the exact address, and then that will remain a mystery for history. And the beer is called, it's from the Bure Brauerei. And it's a Helles-style beer. So it's a German lager. How about you? Wow. Can I just say, way to alienate three quarters of our <laughs> listeners. So first, you said the only continent that matters. And 17% of our listeners are from the US. So I presume this is going to be the last episode they hear from us. And then you <laughs> mentioned be- the only country that has beer. No, no, no. From the home of beer. The home of beer. And I'm sure there's Scots. Dutch, Belgians, <laughs> and you name it, that are probably really offended at you right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, bring it on. If you have an argument, Des is ready to, to argue with you. Anyway, I'm trying to be as inclusive as possible, so I got a beer from the Netherlands like usual. And it's called the Fur and Flam, which I believe means fire and flame, and it's an IPA. I have to say, like, Dutch, no offense to the Dutch, but I'm going to offend you right now. It's not the prettiest language, like vur and flam. It sounds like phlegm. Yeah, sure. Okay. Whatever. Okay, (laughs) moving on. Also, every sentence that starts with no offense to X will 100% offend them. Especially if we say it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, cheers, Dad. Cheers. Now that we've insulted everyone. So before we start with the news, I would like to start with an apology. Which now seems to be a thing. (laughs) We seem to be apologizing every episode for something. Marco, it's like we've made it now because we're doing like the apology phase. You know, like all those YouTubers (laughs) who have like their apology videos. This is us. We understand that in some regions, Apple podcasts are not publishing our latest episodes. So episode 26 and 27, we can't see them, for example, in the Netherlands or in the US but we can see them in the UK. So we want to apologize for that. We hope to get back to publishing our episodes on Apple Podcasts as soon as possible, and we're working with them to to solve the issue. We think it's related to their change behind the scenes because they've released the new podcast app, so to speak, and they're reworking things. We should get it fixed shortly, hopefully. But you can always use any other podcast platform and we're on there. And Amazon now. Correct. All right. And uh, moving on, you have some news as a car lover. As a car lover and having already spoken about electric cars in the past, you know what the latest brand to announce plans for a fully electric vehicle is? They're all doing it right now, so I have no idea. Yeah, so the answer is all of them. But specifically, this week in the news, Lamborghini announced plans for their first all-electric vehicle 
to be launched in the mid 2020s, so probably 2025 or so. And for their current entire lineup, which is, I think, made of three or four cars, to be electrified by 2024. Obviously, this is a major step because these brands' identity is all based on the emotional aspect of driving. And something that greatly contributes to the, to the emotion is the sound. And electric cars don't have any, or they do, but it's not the same as a roaring V12. Anyway, I find this pretty interesting because the shift to electric is happening, not only with more general car brands, but also with niche sports car brands. Apart from Lamborghini, also Ferrari, Maserati and Aston Martin are doing similar things. So stay tuned. If I'm not mistaken, do you know the electric car company Remac? Yeah, the one that nearly killed Richard Hammond. Yes, exactly that one there. They are actually building on commission or I don't know, subcontracting or whatever, the next supercar for Lotus, which is called the Evija or something like that. Right. Yeah, so they're going already full electric. And Remac themselves are probably the first electric-only supercar, and their cars are beastly. Zero to 60 miles per hour in under a second. And that's because of how electric motors work compared to gasoline. And in a recent MKBHD video, he also reviews an electric sports car. I cannot remember what it was, but he was tremendously impressed by it. I've seen his videos where he talks about his Tesla, because obviously every YouTuber drives a Tesla. But at the same time, he test drove the Taycan for a short period of time. And he had to admit that the Taycan was a better car, but it was also more expensive. So the question is, when cars which cost as much as the Tesla or less start becoming available on the market, it will be interesting to see what his opinion is. Yeah, correct. Also, do you know that MKBHD is allegedly collaborating with Top Gear? Are they now? Well, okay, whoa, whoa. Top Gear or Drive Tribe? Top Gear. You know the famous trio, Hammond, Clarkson, and May? Yeah. Lots of people associate them with Top Gear, but they've left Top Gear. Ah, right. And they've got the YouTube channel Drive Tribe. The new Top Gear, it's okay. It took a few years to find the cast which kind of gelled. So I don't know if he's collaborating with Top Gear and the new lot or with... Yeah, the let's say the new Top Gear. Okay, not cool. with Clark. Which is still good. I was just curious. And actually, in recent news, one of their video producers, so Top Gear makes these incredible car videos their photography and the images and they have these slow motion segments are absolutely out of this world and one of their producers got hired by ferrari oh really yeah to make their promotional stuff even with the old top gear one of the great things about the show was the cinematography so to speak like they had a really good team which kind of knew what they were doing when it came to filming cars to make them look good especially in Britain, where it's like always raining. <laughs> yeah, correct. And that team stayed with the show. So that stuff is still second to none. And one of the guys is going to be making promotional videos for Ferrari. So really looking forward to that, even if they'll be electric and sad. But there's one thing that I wanted to talk to you about that I'm really hyped for. Oh, yeah. This ties in with, the, with what we were talking about last week. So last week we talked about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And we briefly mentioned about Wrexham which is a town in Wales that has a football team that got acquired by Rob McElhenney along with Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, they announced that FX picked up two seasons of a documentary series about their adventure, acquiring and managing this team. This is going to be such a culture shock for international audiences. 
you're expecting premiership style stadiums, crowds, fields. Glamour. They're going to get Wrexham instead. <laughs> this is a pursuit of passion, a passion project for Robert McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, who are both football fans, soccer for my American friends. It's going to be hard to hype up a sport and then show them playing in a muddy field. Yeah, so I'm really hyped about it because I feel, or at least in my head, it's going to be a mix between Ted Lasso and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The reality is it's going to be a documentary, so it's probably not going to be funny, but I'm still looking forward to it. Because it doesn't only follow the two new owners in their adventure of learning about football and learning what it takes to run a team. But it's also the culture shop of the, the citizens of Wrexham. They're like working class whales. So seeing how that goes with the new owner. So looking forward to that. They haven't announced the release date yet, but it's in the works. So looking forward to that. Moving on. Des, have you heard the recent news? Oh, very smooth, Marco. Very smooth. <laughs> so Apple announced this week a new hi-fi service for their Apple Music subscription, which will be available to customers starting June. It will be on top of the current Apple Music subscription, but still offered at the same price. If you currently have Apple Music starting June, you'll be able to have higher quality audio. Sorry, can I just point something out? You sent me this article, so I had a vague idea you wanted to talk about it. But this opened that rabbit hole. I honestly was ignorant about the whole thing, so I feel like someone else out there is probably just as ignorant as I am. I'm hoping I could be the most ignorant, who knows. <laughs> when it comes to sound quality, the standards are so varied. Yeah, and you can easily get lost trying to understand what it is. You say you're ignorant, I say I'm still lost, so <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about it like we're experts. I think for simplicity's sake, we should broadly divide them into three categories. We've got regular streaming quality, which if you log into Spotify right now in 2021, unless you're watching this in the future, and on all streaming services prior to 2020, with the exception of Tidal, the sound quality is less than you would have had on a CD. And then you have your CD quality, which is, as the name suggests, as good as on a CD, which was probably kind of like the gold standard. So not the best, but good and easily reproducible. And with modern technology, we obviously have the ability to record better than CD quality. But the compromise here is that you need to have the audio equipment capable of doing that music justice. So broadly, three categories, streaming quality, CD quality, and above CD quality. And that's how we're going to refer to them going forward. There's more technical ways, I think like 24 Hertz or whatever, but we're just going to use those three broad categories. To go back, Apple announced that they're launching a high definition or hi-fi service. The same day, Amazon did the same thing. I think it was called Amazon Music HD is now part of your Amazon Music account or whatever. And this is in response to something that Spotify announced back in February, which is their Spotify hi-fi service set to be released later this year. So we wanted to just kind of go over the current music streaming scenario and kind of talk about the pros and cons of each. Streaming is a phenomenon, and I don't think it's a phase. I think it's here to stay. 
And essentially, it's replaced the purchasing of physical CDs and media. I would argue that Spotify, who was the first on the scene, really pioneered the legal music streaming. Yeah. It's not been without controversy, and we will get into that. Several players have joined the market as the potential started to become more and more evident. And right now, they're the most popular by number of users. There's quite a lot of music services out there, but I think we're going to focus on the big ones. And by the big ones, we mean Spotify, which is the biggest, followed by Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, and Tidal. Apple Music, I think, was launched fairly recently as a replacement to the iTunes store, which brought Apple back into the spotlight many years ago. So now for the same price that you pay for your current subscription, $9.99, now you get high quality music. I cannot remember whether it's CD quality or above. I believe it's above. And they've said that their aim is to have most, if not all of their current library at the highest quality by the end of the year. I think it's worth pointing out that until now, Apple Music used Apple's proprietary AAC encoding method which is like the worst on the market. Oh, really? How so? Now you're asking me stuff I don't know. Okay, so just take our word for it. It's the worst. Remember, we fact-check nothing, but it's the worst. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, we just made this up. But the funny thing, or funny, depending on what sort of humor you have, the highest quality, which is, I believe, above CD quality, Apple says that won't be available on Bluetooth, and it won't work, or at least it not recommended meaning that your $600 AirPods Max will not have that quality of, of audio, not even wired. So this is the part which kills me. In theory, you could have it over Bluetooth, but there is problems with latency and so on and so forth. But the fact that they're super expensive AirPods Pro Mega Max Ultra, it's not capable of playing their best quality sound. And even when wired, it's not capable of doing it. To my eyes, that is a huge faux pas. Like, that is such a misstep. Totally. You're spending $600 on headphones. You'd expect them to sound amazing. Or you'd expect Apple, that has the capability of doing both hardware and software, to plan for this. If last year you're going to release ridiculously expensive headphones, you may want to future-proof them and include the capability to play your upcoming high quality music service, but never mind. Sorry, just as a side note, do you know if like the competition, like Sony's headphones or Bose's headphones, wired, do they deliver that sound quality? Again, <laughs> I think we're challenging each other at who asks the most difficult question and we know none of the answers. So <laughs> I believe so because the AirPods Max, they don't have like a three, three and a half millimeter Jack. Yeah. If they're wired, they're only wired via lightning. With a competing pair of headphones that does have the headphone jack, you can connect that to a hi-fi sound system, and then you'll play lossless audio. Okay, cool. But you can't connect AirPods Max to your stereo system. All right. That's a, as good an answer as I'll get, I suppose. And I trust you because you fact check thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, and I've been known for that. I find that pretty weird that you, you spend hundreds of dollars on AirPods and then you can't really use them. They'll still play fine, but not amazing. 
But they do have one thing that the other streaming services don't, which is spatial audio and Dolby Atmos, which does work with the latest Apple hardware. I think the headphones with the H1 chip, the AirPods Max, and I believe also the latest AirPods Pro. And that gives you the sense of surround sound. So you can hear the different instruments in different parts. Another curiosity, and I know we'll talk about it later, but the least popular of the big services, Deezer, which is a French company, they've actually partnered with Sony to deliver the Sony equivalent of that technology, which is the 360 real audio or 360 real audio. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Alternatives to that technology do exist. Sony's partnered with Deezer to give that to customers via a different platform. Then we have Amazon, who also have an HD music service. Can I just say, like, Amazon's offer to me on paper sounds the most compelling. Okay, let's go through all of them. And then at the end, we'll talk about which ones we have and why. Okay. So they're doing the same. They're also launching, or no, they're not launching it. They currently already have the Music HD service. They're just merging it with their regular music service, Amazon Music Unlimited. They're merging the two accounts into one $9.99 account or $7.99 if you're a Prime customer. In terms of number of songs, it doesn't differ much from Apple or Spotify. Assuming you're a Prime customer, $7.99 kind of sounds compelling for high quality, above CD quality music. And then if we move on, we can go to the streaming service, which has kind of pushed the boundaries when it comes to sound quality. And that's Tidal, which was famously founded by Jay-Z, the one and only. Its niche or its unique selling point has always been that it was focused on sound quality. It's always had above CD sound quality. It's also one of the most expensive of the lot. It has a good music selection, not the vastest, but it has the best sound quality. So it's always like we're not aiming to compete mass market, even though obviously they would want a lot of people to subscribe. Yeah. But they're kind of saying... It's more expensive because you're getting a better product, which is fair enough. It's a good selling point. But now that all the other ones have upped the sound quality, it's becoming much harder to justify Tidal's existence. Tidal is priced at 20 bucks per month for their highest quality tier, which in light of what Apple and Amazon are doing, it's perhaps a bit too much. But yeah, their selling point from the very beginning was... We offer a higher quality, which is how the artist always intended his or her music to be heard. And I think at the beginning, they also had a couple of very interesting exclusive. One of the latest Kanye albums released on Tidal before anywhere else. And uh, Beyonce's 2017 album, whose name I cannot remember, but it was a Tidal exclusive for three years. And the fact that she's married to Jay-Z is purely coincidental. Yeah, I'm sure. It's kind of like the Mila Jovovich movies we t- which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So what's going to happen to Tidal now that all the big players have entered the market? I'm really curious to see. But we can't not talk about the biggest one of them all. Spotify, like we mentioned before, has announced the Spotify a Hi-Fi service coming out later this year. It's intended to be at CD quality, so lower than Tidal, Apple, and Amazon, at a price that's yet to be announced. But now I'm curious whether this move to high fidelity will reshuffle the the rankings. Spotify is one of these internet unicorns, where basically it's like a billion dollar company on paper, 
but it's never actually turned a profit as far as I'm aware, or it hasn't been profitable for the vast majority of its life. Despite that, it's too big to fail because it was the first and it therefore has the most subscribers. Yeah. Therein lies the issue because I don't know how many of them are paying versus the, on the free tier and that's worth discussing. And that's the main difference. Spotify offers a free tier where you get ads and you can't skip more than, let's say, two songs per hour or something like that. But the others don't. With the exception of Deezer. Okay, I've never actually heard of Deezer prior to this recording. Spotify has a lot of users, but we don't know how many of those are actually paying. Even with the hi-fi upgrade, so to speak, they've only said it's going to be CD quality, not above CD quality. So if you're an audiophile, that's worth keeping in mind. And actually going back to the free tier, Spotify actually has a ton of very confusing pricing plans. They go from the free tier to the student tier to the single person tier to the family or to couples. There's a number of different plans, which I find a little bit confusing, but maybe because I'm limited intellectually. But their main challenge these days is to increase the average revenue per user. And this is due to the fact that they have the free tier. So not every user is a paying user because their average revenue per user has been declining over the last few months. They want to increase that. Obviously, they want to get more money per user than they currently do. What we can possibly expect is that the launch of Spotify Hi-Fi will be at the premium. So you will be paying more than your current, let's say, $9.99 subscription. And this is actually bad news for them because all of a sudden, in literally one day, both Apple and Amazon undercut them by saying you can keep paying $9.99 or $7.99 in the case of Amazon and you get high fidelity music. While we're all waiting for Spotify to announce their new pricing, it's difficult to believe that in a world where they're trying to get more money per user, they're just going to give you more for the same. One thing I find incredible is that all these things that we're talking about right now are basically the very aggressive birth of a new market segment. And this is competition at work. These companies are all trying to get your custom. All these companies in terms of streaming are all under 15 years old. They're, you know, it's a new industry. And we've already had some high caliber casualties. The biggest one which pops to me is Google. Napster. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Napster's business model was, we steal your business. I loved it. <laughs> I was a huge fan. <laughs> no, I wasn't. That was a lie. <laughs> I used to be quite a big fan of Google Music back in the day. And that's the key point here, because... We all, thanks to Napster and other very legal methods, which were fully above board and didn't involve going to a certain pirate-themed website, I could upload my entire library, or I think 50,000 songs, in whatever quality you had them, so it didn't matter how big they were, it's just the number of files, to the cloud. I could upload them to Google, and then I could stream them from wherever I was. And that service from Google was amazing. And I think their plan was to allow you to host your music. You could stream it back to yourself whenever you wanted for free. But the idea was that they wanted to get you in the habit of using their app to listen to music and that you would purchase new music through their service. Then Spotify came to be or was already around and everyone really thought, why pay for my music when I can stream it for free? 
As time went on and people start listening to new music, basically nobody used Google Play Music. It kind of fell behind everyone else. Google did what Google does and it shuttered down the service and they said, what do we have which works? And they went with YouTube Music. Personally, it's like the worst offering ever. How so? Google, I think, is playing really dirty. And first of all, they force migrated everybody to the new app, YouTube Music. Yeah. I have never seen an app which is so user unfriendly. Okay, I've never opened it. Yeah, so the advantage of it is meant to be that you can watch the music videos of the songs that you have or the songs that you're listening to. But they're really pushing for like the premium service, like YouTube Premium and YouTube Music Paid. I've never seen a music app where you're listening to a song and you turn the phone off like to put it there and continue listening like it's in your pocket or whatever. And the music stops. Oh, no, that's terrible. It's so annoying. It's unusable. And that's my issue. I think Google, for good reason, is basically out of the technology giants. It's the least popular music service. Rightfully so. It looks like Google is great at everything except two or three things that they just cannot figure out. Music is one of them. Messaging is another. They just keep adding more and more apps and they just never manage to figure it out. It's weird. But to go back to your point, Google Music or Google Play Music, I can't remember which one of the two, the one where you got to upload all your songs to the cloud for free and stream them back to yourself. That was brilliant. That was the perfect bridge from having an iPod full of songs to streaming music that we have today. Because it was also at the dawn of the smartphone era. I remember having all of my library on on this iPod and then just from one day to the next, never picking it up again and having everything on my smartphone and streaming everything. And you could download also to your smartphone. So you could kind of select the albums that you wanted to listen to. And it was perfect for commuting. Loved it. Perfect for traveling. You just had all of your music there with you all the time. But then streaming services like Spotify came up. Smartphones got better. Mobile plans got more data allowance. And you were no longer bound by the songs that you uploaded. You could literally have every song ever made in the palm of your hands. It was a no-brainer. Agreed. And also, the other music services allowed you to download any song you wanted. Like, you didn't have to purchase it. You could download them. Yeah, that's right. Which is great for flying. Whenever we get back to that. (laughs) From a consumer point of view, streaming has been great. It's given us access to all sorts of music at almost zero cost. Sometimes at zero cost, just adverts here and there. But the people who have paid the price are unfortunately the artists themselves. Modern payment revenues, so to speak, the various companies, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, Tidal, they don't pay the artist directly. They pay the publisher or their production houses or whatever they're called. Uh, And they, in turn, pay the artists. And so it's not been too much of a deal because the idea was your music is out there, so your visibility increases, and then you get more people coming to your performances. And artists get a bigger share of the revenue from their performances. But this year, because of the fact that no one could have any performances anywhere, the unfair payment structure has really come to light. And you can find the numbers on the internet. I'm not going to kind of quote every single number. But for every single stream, we're talking about fractions of a cent. So less than one cent per stream. If you're, I don't know, 
Ed Sheeran, you're probably making hundreds of thousands of dollars because he streams millions and millions and millions of songs. But the average artist, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but the gist of it is that something like 3% of all available music makes up for 97% of the listens. I, I find that easy to believe now. Yeah, exactly. So the average musician makes hardly nothing from streaming. Much like the average podcaster. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, guys, come on. Um, <laughs> to wrap it up, because also we've been ranting on for a while, I love these music services. I'm pretty sure that if I had one or the other, it wouldn't make that big of a difference, except Google. That's the beauty of it. It's not like Netflix versus Prime Video versus HBO Max, where you have to make a choice and say, I want to watch Marvel movies, so I need to get Disney+. Plus. I want to watch BoJack Horseman. I have to get Netflix. All of these services have pretty much all of the music you could possibly imagine. Whichever one you choose, it's the right choice for you. They're all pretty similarly priced. I find it great that you don't have to pick one over the other. You just get to pick the one that you like the most. And also, considering what we talked about just a bit earlier about Napster, this is legal. Like This helps fight piracy. If the message is, I have to give someone 10 bucks a month to have all of the music I could possibly imagine, I'm more than happy to do that. It's great. You can just listen to whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want for just 10 bucks a month. I find that awesome. And to be honest, I'm not a huge music fan. Like I won't constantly be on the lookout for new music. I'll just listen to the same things over and over and over. And to me, it's more like a background thing. Like I I always have to have music on, but it's not like I'll sit and okay, now I'm going to listen to an album or something. You can discover new music. You can listen to music all the time, anywhere. And it's just a tenor. I'm sold. You asked before, what service am I using and which one do I find the most compelling? Now, I personally think I have got the best music deal out there. And that's because my brother pays for it. (laughs) (laughs) So I am part of a Spotify family plan. But if I had to make the purchase, I'll be honest, I'm torn between two. Now, me personally, as a person, I love the scrappy underdog. So I am a firm fan of Deezer. And I like the fact that they've got the best of both worlds in the sense that they've got the wide music selection, but they also have the high quality audio. So I think it edges out on Tidal from that. They do have a free tier if you want to try it. And on top of that, it's priced well. Again, I don't use them, but on paper, I like them. Yeah. However, I've had to think with my wallet. I think the Amazon offering is so compelling because I'm already a prime customer. That's not going to change for the other added benefits of the subscription. Regardless of if I get Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, I'm still going to pay money towards Prime. So that discount that you get and the fact that you can get it for $8, like $7.99, yeah. is such a good deal. Yeah, it's good value. And Amazon, one of the advantages that it has much like Spotify, is they don't care what device you're using. So Apple will always try to push you towards their hardware. Google doesn't really do that, but they kind of do. And their streaming service is garbage. But Spotify and Amazon, you can play them wherever, whenever. If we're talking about using of hardware, we need to reiterate 
that if you're going to be listening to this music on your AirPods or your Samsung Galaxy Buds or even your Apple AirPods Max Mega Ultra Ultimate, there is no point because you're not going to get the extra quality audio pushed through to your ears. There's no point bragging about having the highest quality audio if you're listening to it with the worst quality headphones. Yeah, that's right. Bluetooth reduces the audio quality. Don't quote me on that. If you're going to listen to music on your phone, you're better off just with normal streaming quality. But I think we've talked enough about music, considering we know nothing about these services. How is your beer, Des? I really enjoyed mine. This is your typical German lager, and it tastes German, if that makes any sense. It's not like your commercial Heineken's and stuff, where it just tastes like a generic beer. Oh, sure. This on the Dutch again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this tastes like a good traditional lager. And if I'm not mistaken, this is true to the traditional brewing method. It's only got four ingredients, water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. Traditionally brewed, and hence the Helles name, because it's true to the character of those beers. It's very light, it's very crisp, it's golden in color, and it's your typical German lager. I would strongly recommend it. So I would give this somewhere in between a 3.5 and a 4. So I'm going to go a 4. I'm going to feel generous. How about you? Mine was really good. I'm going to give it a 5. Oh, wow. Just off the bat. It's a very good IPA. On the back of the bottle, it says it's a mind-blowing craft beer. I wouldn't go that far, but it's very good. So there's a hint of fruitiness, but it's got the typical IPA bitterness, which I really like. So highly recommended. Okay. Just to summarize, guys, today we spoke about the internet revolution in streaming music, which may or may have not killed the radio star. We analyzed the various offerings of Apple Music, Amazon, Spotify, Tidal, and Deezer, whilst looking at the offerings and sound quality that they are advertising, with a few anecdotes along the way. So we hope you found it useful. See you next time. Find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. See you next time. because I'm limited intellectually.